0: This is the world class pro wrestling podcast, the world class cast with Jerry, the boss uh, as my co-host here. I am Hannibal and we have none other than the world class pro wrestling champion, UFC Hall of Famer. He's done it all in MMA and he's starting to do it all in in pro wrestling. He's appeared for Impact, many other companies out there, none other than Stefan Bonner. Uh, that's right. The world class title, all those years spent
1: on the, the waist of a Von Eric, and now it's on the waist of a Bonner.
2: And it's going <laughs> to stay there, damn it. <laughs> and if you don't like it, you can try to take it from him. Uh, that's right. Bonner's coming to Texas. I mean, you've already been to Texas, right? Didn't you? you, you yeah, uh, I'm not. Didn't you, do it, didn't you uh, do it one of those independent expos not too long ago?
1: Oh, um, yeah, I reckon. But yeah, it, there was no one there. I mean, it was like a great car. They had like a lot of big names on there, but, you know, you get a lot of asses in the seats.
2: So. Yeah, I heard yeah. that. He's actually pretty small anyways. I know that guy that runs it. He's a nice guy. But, you know, I yeah. He doesn't seat a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I took a nice choke slam on the edge of the ring. That didn't hurt. Jeez. You took one? Yeah. Man. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm like, I never take one of these. And, like, of course, it wasn't in the center. And, man, it's
2: like, yeah, you don't I do that take-
1: again, it's going to mean- be in the center of the ring.
2: You, you don't want to take anything near the corner or the side of the ring. That's the worst spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, Lesson man, learned. Let's, let's get this started. So, whatever, what made you even get into wrestling? Like, you were a wrestling fan, right, growing up?
1: I mean, yeah, when I was a little kid, my dream was to become a pro wrestler, you know? Like, it was the 80s. It's so, like, who did you look up to? All had. It was, you know, I like, the, the road warriors, guys that really looked like they could mess some people up, you know? Like, Ultimate Warrior press slamming guys. That's pretty realistic, you know? Um, the Bulldogs, Powerhouses, uh, Yeah, just um, even guys like Tony Atlas, you know, just guys that look like they could beat some ass. I like those guys. Uh, Even the Iron Sheik, good heels. Yeah, good heels I like. Of course, how can you like, you know, uh, Stone Cold and, you know, some of the Attitude Era guys. That was a little later, though. Growing up in the 80s, you know, you wanted to be a fucking superhero. You wanted to be a Hulk Hogan.
2: Yeah, you know, it was like it went from uh heroes in the 80s to anti-heroes in the 90s. It was really quite the shift. <laughs> Did you actually watch WCW too, or were you more of a WWF guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was more um yeah, like I really was a hardcore fan like as a little little kid in the 80s. And then like I remember getting in the middle school in the 90s. I went to a couple shows, not as much. And then like or late 90s when the Attitude Era hit, I kind of rediscovered it a little. Some guys I worked with like turned me on to it again. It was like, you know, uh, those were the days of the WCW, WWE, like the Monday Night Wars and shit. And the ratings were through the roof. So it was like the craze. I worked at Roadway over the summers, you know, to save up money and then go to Purdue. You used to follow the debt around sell nitrous too. But uh, yeah, the the NWO, man, that made like a revival. Everyone, we, were, like, we would like, you'd see on the dots of roadway. It, you know, they're big dots where you load and unload semi trailers, but it'd be like NWO drawn with chalk
2: everywhere. Yeah. Man, you know what's crazy is I actually didn't watch a lot of the Monday Night Wars. Whenever I, I was such a Hulk Hogan fan when I was a kid, that whenever you he, couldn't. I couldn't watch it, man. Whenever he turned into a heel, even though at that point you know I knew it was entertainment, whatever my heart was so broken. I don't think I watched wrestling for a couple of years. <laughs> that's when you know it's real that's that's yeah. my connection right there you know what I mean so yeah, actually, my dad kind of was ahead. I catch him
1: watching it, so I watch it with him. He likes stone cold, you know, finally like someone's sticking it to the man. Uh, it's kind of like what the country needed at the time. You know,
2: in a sense, it's almost. I feel like we're almost at that point again. It's funny how things come full circle, and I think we're almost to the point again where wrestling fans are wanting somebody to stick it to the man. Like, what? What do yeah, you think? Yeah, man. Wrestling. I
1: think so. I think ratings are really low, and like, uh, yeah, I, I think it needs something like that. It needs some attitude again. It's like. Uh, the 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 fans are way too smart nowadays we need like a, someone to pull a Brian Tillman type of stunt you know like everyone's so well behaved and professional and not going to do anything to jeopardize their spot on the roster and it's <laughs> kind of a, a little dry to be honest with you you know everyone's really good at saying their lines you know
2: and the writers good. are really yeah. good at writing lines you and actually said really, it so well course, You're good man. at saying their lines you yeah, it's it's a little
1: forced, and I think the fans could tell that, you know? And like, there's something to be said about like some, someone who pulls some like shit like Pillman, that, or even CM Punk would do that sometimes. Or get the fans talking, like, oh my God, do you believe he just did that? I can't believe he went off script a little and fucking told it how it was and just spoke from the heart. And nowadays, just no one's really got the balls to, uh,
2: to do that. So, yeah. <laughs> It's definitely well, someone's something. Got to think step about. up, step up, and give that middle finger, you know. Oh, you know, I mean, in in all of the shows that we've worked together, how much of our stuff is actually scripted? <laughs> See, that's the difference between that's what makes someone a
1: really good wrestler, and you know, like anyone could could go oh, walk a match twenty times, you know like, say, if you got to do a pay-per-view or something, you're going to rehearse the match on them. down, but the real wrestlers, one could show up anywhere in the world and just work with anyone and on the fly make a fucking great match. And uh, Like, now, working these smaller shows, you, you you kind of learn that. You know, it's great when you get to go with someone who really knows what they're doing and knows how to put a good match together, and then and sometimes you don't. <laughs> and uh, just figuring that whole part of it, you know, knowing when to put your foot down and say like look like you know I, I got an idea that fucking I, I say I think it's going to work and uh, and pushing for it like uh, everyone wants to get their shit in but really the name of the game is like uh, you got to make the people happy
2: well, yep, gotta yeah, you got to give the know, fans know, what they want know. I think it's a missed yeah. connection oftentimes now with wrestling I think that uh, you know people are so they're so conscious of what moves they're going to do. They don't think about that connection that they have to develop with people. You know, one thing that I, that I was really impressed with you at first, whenever you first came into world class was, was your talking skills. Like I was blown away by that, you know, because you come from MMA background, which, you know, most MMA characters or fighters, I wouldn't even call them characters, but most of them do not have that kind of skill to talk like you did. And so I remember like, man, I think it was Kevin Sullivan at the time. We were talking, and I was like, Man, I was like, This guy is money. He was money in UFC. I said, But he's money in wrestling because he's way more than just a wrestler or a fighter. It's like he can talk and he can talk really well. Like, did you go around like cutting promos in UFC Tour when you were a kid? Yeah, that was what you looked forward to. Like, um, you know, when the fight's coming
1: up, a lot of times people would be like uh, telling, you know, you hear from people, visualize the match or the moves. I always visualize like, the promo I was going to cut after I won, you know? So that was always a bit. And then also going to pre-fight interview too. I, I, you know, it was a chance to kind of crack a joke or say something funny or clever or, yeah, why not take advantage of that? So uh, like when you could cut a promo, like, you know, I did on Tito Live where you hijack live TV for a real fight. Like, you know, (laughs) transitioning, doing it in the wrestling isn't, right? You know, it's not a big uh not you, not, not really. it's it's actually a little easier cuz it's expected of you you know that I took some balls like everyone gave me a bunch of shit now it's like here's the mic go do your thing so it's it's, it's kind of part of the game now you know? so you don't got to hijack live tv it's expected of you
0: what do you think about Tito stepping down from his uh job with Huntington Beach the uh I don't know if it was town council or what it was but like, he there uh, he was on the town council <laughs> yeah he he ran
1: for city councilman and won right so he won a position in a in a race and people voted for him and after a week uh people got sick of taking pictures of him and and uh you know not hugging him and expected him to do some work and he was so offended and appalled that like do you know who i am you know, I'm Tito Ortiz. How dare you expect me to do any work? And, you know, but so that was it, you know, once it came time to put some actual work in, you know, dude's never had a job in his life. I mean, fighting's a job, but, you know, it's not like you, you show up in an office and, you know, nine to five. That's, you know, it's. You, When you're a fighter it's kind of um you're encouraged to be selfish It's all about you you know my time and i got to do my thing so once you got to give that up and be somewhere and work for someone else like you know think about that like you know if you've never done that before in your entire life and you're 45 years old you really think you could start that's
0: true we actually oh go ahead animal Oh, I was just going to say, just before you asked that question, also for Tito, we had a WWE tryout shortly uh, before the pandemic started. and It must not have gone too well for him because they never signed him. Because I- I'm going to tell you what happened. He went
1: in there and w- went in and practiced a little and probably slammed some people. And they're like, okay, let's take a bump now. Ah, not my neck. I can't take any bumps what? Like, here, we'll just uh, give you a clothesline or something. No, no, that can't. Nope. Absolutely not. No bums. I I just give out all the moves, all right? That's how it's going to be on Tito Ortiz. (laughs) They were like, yeah, yeah, it's not going to work out. Sorry. Yeah, there we go. I mean, like, I couldn't hack the WWE. I talked to the guy, what's his name? Canyon Seaman, and he kind of lost me at the part where he was like, um, no, ultimately we decide who your character is and we own that i was like wow fuck. i'm probably gonna get fired so i'll just save you guys the hassle smell you later dude yeah
2: <laughs> we got yeah
1: I, I can't i mean i don't know it's like wrestling's supposed to be fun you know if you ever go backstage at a wwe no one's having fun, you know. You think it'd be like the '80s where everyone's partying and having a good time. Even the '90s, like imagine like D'Lo Brown and all them back in the day were having a good time. Hey, the vibe there—they're not having too much fun, you
2: know. We no one's enjoying themselves. You know, uh, What's wrong, Tommy yeah. from Bronx. He wants Riddle.
1: To Riddle looks like he's enjoying himself a little bit, but for the most part. Yeah. Mm. I think he's probably kind
2: back. of a miserable vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy yeah, from wanted to know, uh, did you dump that Joshua, I don't know how to say his name, Fabia? Yes. He said, did you dump Joshua or Fabia too? whoever that is?
1: Yeah. I mean, he was Diego's right-hand man and Diego's my boy. So, you know, when and Diego were together and, you now so I helped corner Diego for his fight we were all together and then uh, they had a falling out you know so me and Diego we're still friends so uh, but no to be honest uh, I haven't talked to
2: Josh since the breakup so we had another question from Mike he wants to know would you ever try bare knuckle boxing
1: no honestly there's like uh, even trained for the Tito fight and the you know there was like something gnawing deep in me that said like you know you're only 40 like i wasn't even 40 yet, like a little before that but like if you keep doing this dude you're gonna be a vegetable you know you could like i could feel the effects adding up the mri showed it the damage to the brain that wasn't there 10 years prior so it really be stupid of me to accelerate my
0: wheelchair put it that way so to no fuck that <laughs> yeah and you're making money with your brain now with your uh various business well ventures. i'm sleeping i'm using it like it's working better like right after
1: i retired man it was not good and you know it's scary when you go do your annual exam and your mri is all out of whack and you got something that shows up that's uh, a red flag marker for CTE. It's like, oh, you want to keep doing this? Like, it's your choice. You know, that's the funny thing is, despite that, it's called the cavum septum pellucidum. right? Um, they'll still let me fight. It just means the, um, the septum that divides your brains, if you keep getting hit, that widens over time. And when it goes wider than 10 millimeters, that's called, would I have septum and and it wasn't there 10 years ago but it showed up and it's a you know Marcus for so like uh, I figure the best thing to do would probably stop getting concussed
2: on a regular basis Mark wants to know as a veteran MMA fighter who's been with uh, who's been with both UFC and Bellator how much of pro wrestling would you say has been meshed into how MMA is presented
1: um, not nah, UFC tried to keep it a little black and white. Dana did, like, he really did. But then guys came along that kind of forced it, you know? Um, you know, like Connor and that. And, and now they, they'll, they'll do the big flashy entrances. You know, you see like that Pereira dancing around, or, you know, you see different things. But overall, Dana would poo poo that. I had some good ideas back that He didn't go for that. But Bellator kind of, it was like, yeah do what you want you know uh it kind of uh it's your canvas like you're the artist Paint whatever kind of picture you want so that was kind of cool um yeah bellator you get a little more freedom with that you get to be creative i get to come out with stitches wrapping brick in your face like (laughs) you know like i doubt would have gotten away with that one the ufc just saying i think this was pretty cool i was was actually joking when skoker um yeah it wasn't i don't think it was cool but someone asked me what i wanted for my walkout song and i told them that well actually it's going to be a live performance i just seen the video and it was the funniest thing i ever seen this guy stitches and you know the brick in your face with the ak's so i sent him the link saying this guy's going to perform my walkout song thinking like just waiting for the reaction kind of you know a lot of times i do things it's just to see the react- you know to get a rise out of people and it's the way i keep myself entertained and i laugh so i was just com- thinking i'd get a reaction from coker like i would from dana but I get an email back saying, great. <laughs> <laughs> no cheap laughs, yeah. money. laughs. And I'm like, oh, boy, I actually got to go about getting him now. So I actually had to, like, get a hold of him and offer him some money and make it all happen. So, yeah, <laughs> and I did. I pulled it off. Thanks to my boy, Scully. Yeah, got him on the phone. We did it.
2: So Charles wants to know, what's your thoughts on the fight game and pro wrestling currently? What do you think they are missing and has it improved since you fought? Uh,
1: the fight game, it's its just, these guys have a, they show them up and spit them out a lot faster now. So these fights are every week and they have these guys fight a lot. So it seems like they're are So they really got to do something to make themselves stand out. And it's hard the UFC. They don't really let them. You know, you got the uniforms and you really don't have that choice. So uh, the pro wrestling, what they're missing is like, you know, someone going off script and and pulling some shit and kind of, you know, being a rebel and, uh, you know, kind of working the boys, if you will. You know, that's what they need. Someone to shake things up a little bit uh mma you know it's like you, you, i think the guys you know are doing right overall considering it's so strict like diego and abu dhabi he couldn't even wear a scarf he's in abu dhabi so to honor like the people there they wear those i don't know those little scarves i can't remember the technical name from and they wouldn't even let him wear that like out to the ring as <laughs> up for his walkout it was ridiculous like it's his 33rd fighters 31st fight like wow so like yeah i think a lot of people don't understand and mma especially the ufc man uh you you can't do them you can't do too much you can't do much to stand out you know so yeah. you got to do it in the ring and pull off a spectacular move and then you see when that happens guy pulls off a spectacular move like that one guy remember he caught his kick and then he jumped spinning back kick knocked the guy out and like oh my god like i think like You know that guy's already fought a few times since then. I know he lost once. I don't know, like I don't remember his name, but like talented guys. uh, Instead of getting like that name recognition and that time in the spotlight, they just it's getting shorter and shorter with so many organizations and fights every week that like their time are just these little flashes, are highlights of 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 a moment. You know, and uh, it's kind of a shame, man. It's kind of a shame. Like, uh, but that's what it is. I mean. It sport blew up, there's tons of fights now, it's hard to keep up, and there's great fights all the time. After me and Forrest fight, there was an UFC for three months, and, and they replayed that fight a million times, you know? So they, that shit doesn't happen anymore. So it's a shame.
2: But I think a lot of it is, you know, like the name of the game is content now. And so they're trying so hard to feed content left and right. And then I think part of it too, everybody if you keep everybody the status quo. People still want your product, but you're not producing a bona fide superstar. If you're not producing a bona fide superstar, you can replace them with any Joe Blow walking down the street and you don't have to pay them. Yeah. Well, and and that's the thing, too. After
1: a while, (laughs) the superstars, man, like it's a lot of money to shell out. So, like, after a while, like, whoo, it makes a lot more sense instead of just paying this guy a guaranteed million to get some guy young buck to kick his ass for 20 2030 grand right get him out of there and, you, know, I mean, you know so um, you kind of see that, like growing up in the game I didn't I see the matchmaking as obviously as I see it now it's like I could look at them just kind of see the the intention the matchmaking intention behind it and and uh, yeah it's not so like you the UFC has a motivation right now. Their motivation is to build up the the globe. So if you're the best fighter in a certain part of the 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 globe, like you know, say in a country that doesn't have many fighters, like you're going to get easier fights because we want more pay per view, we want more sales in that area of the globe, you know. So if you know, countries got like the U.S., a lot of big studs, you know. So it's not you know, especially in the same region of the country. Uh, move. You know, move to Iceland or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get, you have a better shot. Seriously.
2: So, what were your thoughts like whenever you got into the Ultimate Fighter? What were your thoughts getting into that? Like, did you think, hey, this is going to be the springboard to make this product mainstream? Because essentially, that's what you did.
1: No, I always I like thought the UFC was the coolest thing ever, and it was super awesome and successful, and I had no idea how much they were hurting and how much debt they were in, and this was a big hail mary. It's like this show will probably be pretty cool, you know, but like I didn't know they were hurting. I, it was just like ignorance is a bliss, right? But I just went in there saying these guys are probably I'll probably get my ass kicked, but I'll do my best, you know. And I had no pressure on me that way, and it's, I don't
2: know kind of a good attitude to have it it worked so you said you didn't have any pressure what was the pressure like after the ultimate fighter because it had to be yeah
1: then the fun yeah see it was like that's how things go it's like at the beginning they're a lot of fun and you're doing it for fun and the money didn't matter and you know you just happen to be there and then then it's like you have to win and it's your only job and you know if you lose you get half the money so right there you know. And then too, you couple losses in a row, you lose your job. So pretty soon, you're fighting, to pay the bills, and fight for your job, and all the funds been taken out of it. It's uh, you know, uh, you train through injuries, and you can't pull out of fights, and it, it, yeah, it, it becomes a lot more stressful. And that's like exactly um, what I wanted to avoid with pro wrestling. It gave me a chance to come into something and say, okay, you know, look at how the whole. May career one and I could see that like I want to nip this in the butt before it gets to that point where it's not fun anymore you know and it's a job so luckily I'm old so you know it's not like I'm 20 and I've got a big road ahead of me and like I could go in the WWE 10 years so yeah it's like at this point man I'm just happy doing it for fun casually on the weekends here and there you know like I got a Next level pro wrestling coming up uh, the 24th in Sacramento fighting for that title, Uh, Tony Vargas. So I have two belts, watch out. And of course the world-class October 3rd, we're making a comeback, the comeback show
2: in Wichita. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, Sean, he wanted to know, uh, do you have any good behind the scenes ribs or stories from the ultimate fighter?
1: yeah I mean, a good one too, before the fight with Forrest, you know, I was the you go in the bathroom, you try to get all your excrement out of you. You don't want to have to go to the bathroom, and, you know so. and it's pretty common too. so I'm actually got quite going around the, the, I, I could say a little prayer, you know, and just asking God, just and you know, let me do my best. That's all I ask for. you know, people came here, they're giving me your their, their Saturday night. Let me do my best and put on a good one. And in the middle of that thought, boom, 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 knocking on, pounding on the door. Fighters got a shit. Fighters got a shit. Pound, 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 pound. (laughs) Fighters got a shit. Fighters got. I'm like, fucking, really? And I open it, it's Diego, you know? I'm like, fighters (laughs) shit, motherfucker. Well, I'm the main event. Well, I'm the main event too, you know?
2: got into it. Ruined the prayer, but. (laughs) Got into it before the fight that changed the game. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, that's Diego, man. Like, we on the show, like, I had a lot of those kind of moments, you know?
2: So, since you brought it of, up, John wants to know if you're still pissed at him for eating all the asparagus tips and leaving the stalks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we, we um, hashed that out. I forgave him on the reunion show. He ordered me asparagus and, Yeah, we really squashed that. Um, And it's funny, too, because I thought he was just playing dumb with me. He claimed he didn't know what asparagus was. But honestly, he was, you know, a dumb kid from New Mexico, honestly didn't know what asparagus was, and that wasn't a lie. He wasn't playing
2: dumb with me. I can see why you would think that, because I'm – don't know who doesn't know who aspar what asparagus is, <laughs> so I can see why you would think that. <laughs> but I guess you never know.
0: Lions Den Live wants to know uh, how your meeting with Dana White went after uh, your fight with Forrest Griffin.
1: Um, my meeting with Dana after the fight with Forrest, I don't know. Like, I don't think we. He was back in the day he was a lot more accessible, you know. I just go into the UFC offices and talk to him and you know, uh it was like a much tighter, smaller family, not putting on nearly as many shows. Now it's like, you know, there's ten different security guards. You never are even gonna get close to his office nowadays, you know, uh, without an appointment or anything. So yeah, before used to just be able to call him up or show up at the office and, and shoot the shit with them. Uh, yeah. Well, but you know, you, you blow up, you get a lot of money and a lot of people uh, sucking your nuts. Then yeah, it, it, it kind of goes to your head. So, you know, as much as, as fun as it would be to be in that position, I'm kinda glad I'm not, you know? Because I got a little taste of it, a little taste of the million people kissing my. I did a movie. I got the star in, then you're the star. Everyone kisses your ass, and wow, like, like I don't care who you are if you just if you get that enough, you know, twenty four seven for year after year, you're gonna turn into an asshole. You know, it's a couple weeks we shot that movie. I couldn't imagine if I got that for year after year. Holy shit. <laughs>
2: My Matt, God. which uh, which fight did you have your hardest training camp?
1: Oh my gosh, I don't know. They always seem so miserable, so hard, and like things you don't realize, or or the fans really don't realize. Like uh, take a fight for example, like my fight with Igor Pokraya, right? one every round looked like a relatively easy fight you know a couple ten, eight rounds had total control but training for that fight the first day of sparring three months out I kicked Cantwell right in the elbow and my foot swelled up like a balloon and I just sucked it up and kept training on it two weeks later I could tell it was infected I got infected stuff swollen it's prone to infections the one in and, you know, to the doctor to get antibiotics. And they're like, let's just x-ray it to be safe. And, oh, my God, your foot's broken. Yep, and it's infected. So we'll give you antibiotics, we'll give you a shot, and uh, your foot's broken. What do you want to do about it? I'm like, well, I made it through the last two weeks, which were absolutely miserable. I'd be in so much pain. I'd have to get the adrenaline going. Then I can make it through the training. And by the time I drove home and tried to get out of the car, I couldn't walk again. But after two weeks of that, it was getting a little more, to, you know, went from like 90% like excruciating the pain to like 70. And I figured, well, I made it through the worst. So just kept training on a broken foot the other 10 weeks. And by the time of the fight, it was healed and feeling good. But that sucked training on a broken foot the whole camp. And that's just like, you know, every camp there's some sort of, or injury or the Tito fight i had trouble even getting cleared like my heart uh passing the ekg was really hard and i had to train with a heart rate monitor on for a few days like recording me 24 7 because they weren't going to let me fight it was yeah so yeah and it's yeah everything every like so many hour art for example like you train like two months for a fight your fights in one more month like matt ham i was supposed to fight him and, uh yeah put in like uh, two two months of training i'm like four weeks out and blow out my knee reconstructive surgery you know a big super bowl of knee surgeries like a couple ligaments blew a couple tendons meniscus destroyed capsule so, so out a year well I mean it's the whole recovery is about a year it's about like six months you could just start doing stuff with it again and i fought john jones like like nine ten months after i'm not even like it wasn't even a full year i fought jones you know uh i was weak really weak for that fight you know and it showed but he's a stud so um but, you know, you never heard about it afterwards. I didn't go around, and oh, my injuries, uh, like Tito always did. I'm doing that now. <laughs> but, <laughs> so who was the toughest? But, tough- yeah, that always felt when you did that, like, the fans feel cheated. You know, I don't know. No stuff. That's true.
2: Who who do you but, think is the toughest fighter you fought?
1: I, honestly, like, the two guys that I was in there with that, well, probably the three that I was in there with that I really thought were, were special. We'll start one in time. Uh, first in Oh three, when I was in there with Leonardo Machida, you know, like, you know, it, it was like, uh, I ended up losing on a cut, but after that fight, like, I like that motherfuckers good. Just, just you watch, you know, and sure enough, he ended up knocking out Rich Franklin, his next fight, and then going undefeated till he won the title. And I just knew it was something special, you know, and, and, you know, it's no coincidence. Like, his dad had been training him since birth to be a fighter. So, yeah, he was bred for it. And then John Jones, uh, when I was in there with him, like, he was still was still before he was really, uh, his skills were, but just physically, like, he had those gifts that I just was like, wow, this guy's a freak of me. Like, how the hell is he the same weight as me? This guy's huge. He's so hard to get close to. And what I do is wrestle he's taking me down um it, but he's just gonna be a, a tough riddle to solve just physically like uh, that's how i felt with anderson silva i felt like oh my god like this guy's nothing his punches aren't even that hard i can eat these punches all night oh my god i could probably beat this guy oh fight's over <laughs> so <laughs> That's it. That's how fighting Anderson. With the other two, you knew they were really good and talented. Where Anderson, he didn't feel like hit hard or nothing
2: special in the fight. So So, true, master. So, what do you think of the difference between training? I mean, it's the million-dollar question. Which one's harder, pro wrestling, MMA, in their own ways? I mean,
1: if I were young and did the pro wrestling it's probably a good thing i probably would have killed myself but like pro wrestling is something that you set your own limits and what and you're more there's more control mma like anything could happen in a fight you know you get bent and twist your leg any you know like, if I have an injury in a pro wrestling match, hey, I have a torn pet. I can't do this or that or this move or that. Hey, watch. Be careful when you plant me. Oh, make sure you land me. on. Like, y- you work with each other, you know, and protect each other, you know. So, in that terms, it's it's much simpler. But then, if I'm doing these hard-ass moves, like low-key or something like that, I, like, it's way harder than the wrestling I do, you know. I'm at my age. I'm not going to be doing that super dangerous. I do a macho man elbow drop every now and once in a while. But it's about as crazy as I get. But I don't want to hurt myself. Whereas if I'm in my 20s, I don't care. You know, I want to do backflips off the top rope. You know, I want to do shooting stars. So I think that's the big difference is I'm in my 40s. I'm 44. And I, I, you know, had a lot of concussions. So I want to protect myself. I've had 10 surgeries. I don't want to get injured, so I'm not, like, looking to do the crazy things that are high risk, you know? Um, I'm looking to, like, honestly, what I want to do is, is, like, just master the art of pro wrestling. Just go in there and put on a great match that grips the fans, makes really entertaining, really violent and realistic. But we both take care of each other. We take the big bumps in the center of the ring. We're nice and safe, no injuries. We don't mutilate each other with glass or thumb tacks or any of that stupid stuff either. Like, that's to me, so the, the beauty of pro wrestling is going in there and creating that illusion. Like, you're really violent, realistic, action-packed, pay hey, match, but it's it's an illusion. You really don't mess each other up, you know? And, and when you could do that, you're a true master. We I mean, could go in there anywhere in the world, any city, and go in there with anyone. and and put that match together that has those elements that draw those fans. in. Uh, that's the thing of beauty. And, and it's like, it takes a while to learn my second singles match. I worked with speedball Mike Bailey and he formulated a great match. And I thank him for that. Like I use that now as a blueprint to kind of, the story, the matches kind of are supposed to tell overall, you know? Um, and when I try to mimic that, like I did with Logan Clark at the uh, black label pro, we had a really great match and if you see it, it's a similar type of formula. Um, so got his title shot coming up next level pro wrestling in a few weeks. And I want to have one of those kind of, I'm excited for the main event for the title. So I want to like, you know, entertain, make it a good match, you know, where sometimes like my last match for them, it was just a squash match. So, you know, Middle of the card, no big deal, no pressure, but now good main event title match. I want to put on a good one.
2: Simon wants to know who's your favorite wrestler of all time?
1: I mean, it's just like overall, I'm going to go with not so much wrestling skills, but just psychological and psychology and attitude, and that's Hillman, you know? he works everyone and like people he had everyone he had the fans saying what the hell did that guy did do is that for real like he had the guy boys the guys in the locker room man. it's just dude for like no one knew and um you gotta love a guy like that and that's what the i, I think the game needs more than anything a guy like that right now you know
2: well, you know, there is Brian Pillman Jr. out there. Maybe there's a Stefan Bonner versus Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah. in the future. But now I'm
1: like if I want to emulate someone, I think cuz wrestling is yourself like amped up a little and it's that loose cannon, you know, cuz American Psycho, cuz um, you know, it's a little nutty of those nutty fights, but yeah, amped that up a little in pro wrestling and I think that's like, you know, this kind of vibe that the You know, loose cannon was bringing. Now I just got to bring it to the locker room. Uh, So watch out, motherfuckers. Watch (laughs) out. Uh, Yes.
0: I know you're in the marijuana business. Someone was asking earlier what your thoughts are of uh, fighters using weed and it being a banned substance. I know know CBD is allowed, but THC isn't
1: i thought they loosened up on that i don't know i think everyone should use honestly it it helps the brain you know cbd and thc they have a synergy together and seriously it helps the brain heal there's very few things that reduce swelling in the brain instantly and those compounds together do that um so fuck, why not take advantage of that? If you are hitting the head on a regular basis for about fourteen years straight, like me, it's, you're gonna have some swelling in the brain, I and mean, that's you're gonna need to get that out of there. So anyway, you can and uh, cannabinoids. Whew, um, there's a reason why they're legal now, and they're putting all this study in it, the UFC study in it. Why? Because. There's very few things that help heal the brain, and cannabinoids are one. So take advantage of it. Check out HITEVA.com. Um, We got the largest video screen review library, and I write most of those. Uh, and, you know, I put my heart and soul into them. And it's like, you know, we, we, re- we take the weed, we split up, we review it, and we ask everyone how they felt. They're, like, really heartfelt, honest reviews. So check them out. And, uh, you know, in some states you could order for pickup or delivery, like in Nevada and Arizona. So, yeah, thanks for letting me plug it, itiva.com. And I was supposed to plug something for Granaham. Oh, yeah, Baroni versus Gotti 3. Uh, Baroni's going to get his ass kicked. I don't even know Gotti, but uh, I'm rooting for you, John.
2: <laughs> That's great. Uh... Matt wants to know what's the best piece of memorabilia that you have on your wall.
1: No, my my uh tough one jerseys. Autographed. Look at that. The late great uh Loden Sincade, baby. Can and how can you get another one of these? He's gone. He's no longer with us. This thing's all autographed too. That's the nice one. That was April 9th. I stole that the day I from the Hard Rock, the day after I walked for right off the elevators. I, I opened it up and stole that poster out of there.
0: Yeah. So, what's your opinion of Tank Abbott?
1: I'm happy he's alive, man. He almost died. He had his, like, right, a liver, or something. Liver kidney. and kidney,
0: I believe.
1: For him to have, like, pulled through and still be alive. Shows the kind of tenacity that guy has because nine out of ten of us, or 99 out of 100 of us, probably would have been honored. But like, he miraculously found a match, and uh, well, and that's a miracle in and of itself. How many people die on the wait? So, God bless you, Tank. I'm glad he's uh, you're still with us. He actually came in the locker room before the Tito fight to wish me luck, so you know, I was kind of cool. I was always a fan
0: of his growing up. That doesn't surprise me at all. He's uh, He still wants to fight Tito, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, although I heard he used to abuse Tito back in the day when they trained together. But uh, yeah, I'd probably put my money on Tito now. I won't lie. I'd be rooting for Tank. But, what about
0: yeah. uh, Don Fry? really hates Tank, and uh, they're both not in the best of shape these days. Who would be picking <laughs> <thinking> that one? <laughs> oh wow see wow man
1: like that talk about an even one i think that's like uh i'd say fry oh i don't know i think that's dead even there i was gonna say who's the favorite that fucking maybe like minus 105 i was gonna say fry but then tank i man yeah that's a that's a good matchup right there. Yeah. That's a fight I'd pay, pay to see.
0: You see, Tank doesn't walk with a cane. He is slow, but Don Fry needs a cane. If Tank refuses to use one, huh? I don't. I don't think Tank needs one. He's just a little slower than he used to be. But there's no love loss between Don Fry and Tank because when I interviewed Don Fry and asked him about is Tank, t- he's he lost it. So is Tank skinny now yeah yeah wow yeah a skinny tank imagine that yeah yeah he's doing very well he lives in arizona and has a really nice property there and is married for him that's nice what paul feet.
1: herrera said like he trained me for that tito fight they were buddies but he said tank uh was actually really smart and good with his money and you know didn't just piss it away and saved it well and uh invested it well and, that he's a smart guy that did, did all right for himself. So hey, he can afford a new liver and kidney. Must be doing something right. And, and mean, his wife needed well with
0: hip. you. She uh she definitely uh enjoys the cannabis here and there. His wife. So I actually saw Tank uh should say it, but I saw Tank use some and he's quite funny after he's had had <laughs> some in I'm
1: <laughs> man. I'm just uh, glad he's not drinking anymore, man. You hear those stories about him biting the guy's nose off the bar after he aces a fucking fifth.
0: Like, whew, what a nut. <laughs> yeah, he was crazy. Uh, BroDog wants to know if you think Tyrone Woodley is going to beat Jake Paul in their upcoming battle. I mean, on first on paper, yeah, I did. But then, like... Um,
1: well, those paws are pretty big, man. The guys like six one. So I mean he, he, he hits pretty hard. So I, I didn't realize the dude was that
2: big. Uh is that the so, one that put on the Tyson card? Is that the is that this
1: guy? No, him and his brother falls? are both like six one. His brothers, I think, a little heavier. One's like one ninety, the other's two hundred pounds. So they're really close, but um yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be so easy for Woodley. Um, especially, too, you got a young guy coming up whose chin's fully intact and guess, uh a smaller, older guy, 42, right? You know, who's on a string of losses. I don't know. And it's a boxing match. Like, yeah, it's... I mean, at first I said, oh, Woodley's going to kill him. And then, you know, I saw how big the dude was and I saw... What Floyd said afterwards, like that dude's big, you know, forty-five years old, but a guy who's way bigger than me, and I'm like, wow, yeah. And same point with Woodley, you know, like, you know, dude's bigger than Woodley, and can have an Asian
2: reach advantage. It's easy to discount them because they're YouTubers, but yeah,
1: I mean, dude's got a good I mean, punch, got,
2: man. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count him out of it if it's the one that fought on the Tyson card. I was actually pretty impressed with him.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the dudes, the young and hungry, they're in their prime. They're coming up. They're getting better, you know? That's the thing. Whereas, uh, you know, when you're 42, you're not. So, yeah. And I like, you know, I, I didn't know. I hadn't been watching MMA in a while. So I didn't know he ru- was on such a rough slide, you know? And then I saw his last fight and I hear him talking. He hasn't won around in a long time. And, it, you know, and it got me thinking, whoa, is all guys. Maybe got a better shot than I thought.
2: Yeah, sounds like a recipe for disaster. I'm taking Jake Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Simon wants to know how did you get the name the American Psycho?
1: Oh, the ultimate fighter. Yeah. Yep. They called me uh, Ivy League at first because, you know, I didn't look like a fighter. And then uh, after hearing my stories for a few days and then training with me, it was, yeah.
2: Someone that's, called that's me the American true. Psycho. I lead uh, to the American Psycho. That's quite like two opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yep. It came after a story of me. It was right before I went on the ultimate fighter. I was with like my girl and another couple at a bar in Chicago, late passage, like the nice NC Club and shit. Go into a bar and like to get around for everyone, and I like bump into someone. I was like, Hey, relax, it's enough for both of us. He got all shitty with me, like, I ain't your buddy, motherfucker. And like, you know, and whoa, really? All right, you know, like, it got all in my face, and like, you know, you can do that to me. I'm like, All right, fine, show me. What are you gonna do, man? When you can come on, and he went out and tried to grab my throat, like, so. (laughs) knee-jerk reaction, I'd choke him out and put him to sleep, you know? And then I'm, like, set him underneath the bar, and I fucking ding him one in the eye, like, you know? So he learns to stop being an asshole, and then I look up, and the bartender's looking at me, like, coming out, like, pointing at me, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm going to jail. And he's like, what do you need? And I'm like, oh, I'm good. You know, he turns around, and some chicks saw the whole thing. I was like, I keep an eye on my friend. He had too much to drink. Let's get the hot. And we took off. I got out of there. Yeah, because we had to tell stories. We, uh, you know, no TV or phone or internet or anything like that. So it was, uh, yeah, that story. Someone called me the American Psycho and it stuck. Uh, But it also had something to do with training for me for a few days. And, you know, like me fighting like I did in the forest fight training. So it was like a combination of those
2: things. I think it was a good career move settling on the American Psycho instead of Ivy League, for sure. Uh, Careless Whisper, he wants to know uh, what's your thoughts on everything that's been going on with Diego Sanchez.
1: You know what? Like, I love the uh, Diego, and I supported him when he was with Josh. Um, I got it, you know. Like, he was with. Jackson, for a long time, he wasn't learning anything new. He didn't feel like they were really looking out for him, dude. He's just going toe to toe, straight in the damage, getting tons of stitches. So he found someone that he felt like cared about him and got him paying attention to defense, not getting hit as much, changing his style a little bit, and then also cleaning his life up. I don't know if you know, Digo, you know, was drinking a lot and, you know, wasn't living too clean. And you know, Josh got him sober, honestly. And, you know, as, as much as people say how like awful Josh was for him, like, he did help him get his life cleaned up, and he kind of taught how Diego to take care of himself. Like, Diego, honestly, over the last two years of being with Josh, he became more responsible, more considerate, uh, just he, he more mature. Like, it's... it's, it's Josh did fucking teach him how to take care of himself. And Josh is abrasive could be a total asshole. I agree. But, you know, if we go look on the bright side of this whole thing. He helped teach Diego how to be a better person, how to take care of himself better, how to be a better friend, how to be more responsible. But he also fucked his career up and, you know, like caused him a lot of falling out and problems. So, I'm just saying it wasn't all bad. It wasn't like Diego was crazy. You know, he found he was learning something. And, you know, I know, I know that feeling where you feel like you're stale and you're not learning something. And finally, you
2: are. You're getting something new. You're like, so, you know, I got Bro, dog said that you're a legend of the sport. Do you see yourself as a legend? Honestly... Uh,
1: I'm trying not to think about it too much, you know? Like, you got to be like a Cheeto thinking around what a big legend I am, you know? Like, I
0: don't
2: want to be that guy. Everybody, You're a very humble guy, very down to earth. Well, You're put on the spot. Are you a legend? I I, mean, I think so, but how do
1: you... All right, I mean, yeah, I mean, look back into the history books and boom, you know? What's cool, though, is growing up, clairvoyance when i was like 10 years old in fifth grade i just had this obsession with being tough like i was like the toughest kid in my grade and you know i wanted to be a pro wrestler and everything was about being tough and you uh, they're tough or a pussy and it was like black or white you know those were the two worlds i lived in and i'd say it like you know when i grow up you're gonna look in the dictionary and like next to tough and there'll be me yeah and then uh when i'm the ultimate fighter. And we're doing one of those stupid challenges, and they have the production crew and all the producers' chairs sitting there. And on the back of the chair, it just says "Tough One" on the back of the producer chairs. And then I'm like, "Wait a second, the Ultimate Fighter, up, Tough." Like, Holy shit! Imagine that. And we're still <laughs> filming that. I didn't even know I'd be in the finals. I'm in the finals, and we have that fight. And then all of a sudden, it's like now when you look up "Tough One," it's like me and Forrest. It's like. Wow, that's pretty far out, you know?
2: <laughs> I mean, really that, far I mean, out. I mean, UFC, you know, at that point was not a mainstream product. You guys ushered that era in. And that era, I mean, it didn't just affect fighting, it affected pro wrestling at the same time. You know, the, the rise in popularity of UFC definitely affected pro wrestling.
1: And I knew about it when I was 10 years old. <laughs> you plotted this out. Think did. about, think about
0: it. Yeah, it a of, like no, there's uh, no
1: coincidences. It's all like, yeah. Did you it's get all in like a
0: pre-programmed trip? Did you get in like fights in school because you oh, seem yeah. really friendly? Or were you? Yeah, it- but I was like,
1: yeah. I remember, um, Kung Fu, the TV show where you go around from town to town and. He was just the nicest, humblest guy, but he'd get in a fight everywhere he went. That was me. You know, I had a little scrawny friend who was a really late bloomer, and he had a sharp tongue on him. So he's a little smart ass, clever kid, come up with some good ones, but he'd usually crack something smart off to someone, and he'd be too small to beat up. So the guys would want to beat me up, the tall, oafy, skinny looking guy. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of those fights. And then, too, my brother, like, like, he beat me up for fun. That's how we played. Uh, you know, we were he's eighteen months older than me, so he always had that advantage. It took a while, like it wasn't until I was in college and I finally filled out that I finally beat his ass. You know, so it, yeah, it was always I was obsessed with being tough and fighting and learning martial arts, and I don't know why. You know, I I always say it's because I wanted to kick my older brother's asses. I know that's part of the reason, but like. I always just was drawn. I wanted to be a ninja more than anything, you know, pro wrestler too. But I wanted to be a ninja. Even when the UFC first came out, they're holding up the signs kickboxing versus jujitsu. It was like, I want to know everything,
2: you know? So, yeah. So, whatever you would get in these fights as a kid, did you ever do pro wrestling moves on them during the fight? Like, I mean, at some point you had to learn wrestling was entertainment. But before that, did you actually try any of those moves on people?
1: No, I started wrestling real like peewee wrestling, double legs and all that. Like probably when I was 10 years old. So when I get in fights, you know, I I was always able to out wrestle the kids, you know, because no, one I had to go a couple towns over in Illinois to wrestle as a peewee, so no one else knew how to wrestle, so I could usually take it. But it wasn't until my middle school days where I joined the Taekwondo Hop Tito school that I learned how to kick and punch a
2: little bit, too. And then my fights got a lot more
1: entertaining.
2: Israel wants to know, uh, how did you feel when Chuck Liddell lost to Tito? Like, I didn't want to see Chuck even get in
1: there, man. You know, he looked, great for his age but for you know like he had no reason 52 years old right i mean yeah i it broke my heart honestly it broke my heart because he beat his he beat him easily in his prime and now uh, you know a couple times and now he's in his 50s and not the same guy you know and he loses and uh yeah of course i didn't like to see that but whatever
2: he to, wants to know, are you close with Force Griffin today?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we cross paths on a regular basis. He just hit me up a few days ago, actually. So we had to do so much together after the Ultimate Fighter. Literally, like, the next two years we went around doing PR together that, like, if I don't see him for a few months, I don't miss him. You know, it's no big <laughs> deal. But, I, I, you know, we got love for him. I like him. You know, we've always yeah, gotten along.
2: You're, you're so. linked together in history forever. You know, you're linked forever.
0: Yeah. Jerry knows uh, Jake Hagar, and I don't know how familiar you are with him, Stefan. He was Jack Swagger in WWE. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to fight time. Fedor. He's trying to campaign to fight Fedor in Bellator. What are your thoughts on him as a <laughs> fighter and if you think that fight's going to happen or not? Yeah. Why
1: not, man? Like, get a big name that's on his way out. Like, he's uh, that's good. Good for him to go and campaign to get a big name like that. That's what you want. You want a big name that's past his prime. And, uh, I mean, if it's not Fedor, you know, I can't think off the top of my head any other big name heavyweights there, but like, that's, that's the good plan. Go after big names like that. So go get them. Why not? Like, if Fedor, is he retires, he's still under contract with him, like, what else do they got in mind for Fedor? So, I don't see why yeah. they wouldn't make that happen.
0: And if he loses to Fedor, it's nothing because a it's lot no of people big are deal him to win.
1: Yeah. And he's got a chance. Like, Fedor's not the same Fedor, you know? Like, his chin's not the same. Everyone knows that. He's still a bad dude, but, you know, what, 44 now? I think he's older than me, right?
2: I have no clue. Yeah, but but, I would love, yeah. I would love to see. Good idea, him. Jake. I think it's. I think it would be great for Jake's career. I think it would be good publicity for Bellator too. I always thought whenever they signed him that it was a brilliant PR move because of his wrestling but, background and because. Of and that's
1: what they want to do with Fedor too. Like he's, uh, you know, he, he just super fights with him.
0: So he is forty-four, by the way. I just looked it up. Good, good uh, brain you have there. that's not one i hear too often
1: (laughs) i'm hearing it more and more nowadays though this is funny oh that reminds me i got to do my mri at the lou ruvo clinic i get it every year right i'm part of the fighter's brain study and honestly since 2015 since i've been going my charts like it's like slowly going upward like um my my mental capacities have been improving
2: over these past six years yeah i think it's awesome that you've been able to retire and then get into pro wrestling but also have your own businesses and do things outside of that because i i think it's a shame whether it be wrestling mma or whatever the people that are trapped into that that box that they've got themselves into and they can't get out of it and they continue fighting when they shouldn't health-wise whether it be MMA wrestling, you know it's sad to see that with people. So I think, and then
1: it's not fun. And the whole reason they got into it in the first place is because they love to do it.
2: You know, I don't yeah, think so. people, people think about it a lot of times. There's no, uh, you know, there's there's no like 401k in wrestling or MMA. You
1: know? but- but that's what America does to you as a whole. It's like find out what, follow your heart, do what your heart desires, and then you do it. Oh, I love medicine. I want to be a doctor, and then you're working sixteen-hour shifts, man, and you're miserable, and you die young of a heart attack because you're overstressed. Like that's what we do. Find what you love to do, and then like you get a career doing it, and you're doing it sixty-eight hours a week, or like you're doing it way longer than you wanted to, and you're doing it because you have to, and. Only way you know how to pay the bills, and pretty soon the thing you did because it gave you that joy is bringing you nothing but misery.
0: God bless America. <laughs> Someone wants to know your memories of the build-up for the shale Sonin fight. He's become even more popular, I guess, over the past few years. Which fight? He's not specific, but the one I remember, I think, was Bellator. Um
1: I I know I don't I jeez. You gotta give me a little more. I remember who he fought last. I remember him. Um Oh he means you. Oh I remember him losing to Cheeto. Yeah. Yeah, he... um, I don't know. He doesn't pull that out often, you know? I remember after the Anderson fight, everyone expected him to do that to Bisping, and then he was really respectful. So, Chael doesn't give you what you want, you know? He he does it when you least expect it. So, um, I think, uh, yeah, it's hit or miss with him. Some guys he's really respectful with, some guys he isn't. I know with Tito, he had a little fun with him. Uh, But then he lost, so, you know... uh, Like, lost pretty...
0: Yeah, decisively. Yeah, oh, well. Tito, uh Tito still holds a bit of a grudge over the trash talking there. Uh when I talked to Tito, he still seemed pretty pissed about that. I mean that's With your gulch still fine. Yeah. yeah. Because was because that- uh, he was going after Tito's wife then, who of course are not together anymore. But him and
1: Amber broke up?
0: No, the one with, uh, I think Jenna? the one before that, the porn star.
1: Well, no, cause when I fought Tito, they were broken up and had been. Okay. So, and then he was with Amber, the ex UFC ring girl. And I don't know. I don't follow them. I just <laughs> figured they were still together, but if they broke up and, uh, you know, oh, I don't know
0: what it was. All I know is when when Tito was talking about Shale, uh, he was saying that Shale went too personal and struck an area course, that he should have gone.
1: Yeah, because you got to talk trash by the rules. Yeah, you can't talk about someone's fans or family that's against the rule. Like, oh, come
2: on, man. Jeez, what a baby. I mean, that's the goal of selling like selling any kind of entertainment you know you blur these lines how
0: dare you yeah like
2: reality I mean that's selling
0: people are more babies in wrestling know these days than MMA as far as the <laughs> yeah. trash talking well, and wrestling they overall, should be they're more
2: people. sensitive
1: yeah. yeah it's it's unbelievable how sensitive like a lot of the wrestlers are that's why you know like the, the whole Tillman thing it's just more and more appealing as you know these the days go on and you see Uh, just the whole world of the game is I don't know, it's asking for something. Someone to shake things up a little bit like that. Come on, MVP.
0: You know. You're gonna bring that into wrestling. What's that? You're you're the champion. You're the leader of world class pro wrestling now. So maybe when it comes back with the big relaunch. October. Yeah, I can really stick it to the man and like do something really rotten to the promoter.
1: That's a great idea. What? 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 I I was following you up until that. Like like Stone Cold and Vince were in the hospital.
2: (laughs) You know what? If if we wrote that out the right way, I would totally be down with that. Yes, there you go. But you're right, though. I mean, that's ultimately what wrestling is missing is, is a bona fide superstar, somebody that, that does spark that emotion out of fans. Wrestling is an emotion
1: Yeah, and, fan.
2: It is. That's
1: yeah it totally. Is. And like, I think the fight world's kind of got that, you know? You got, like, Conor. Um, you got guys like Colby. And I think he actually... It's a little more in MMA in terms of the... It's just people with those don't give a damn attitudes like that, you know. Well, I mean, Colby and Connor, I can't think of too many
2: else, but um, they certainly did a good job with that. In a sense, he's almost like watching a wrestler, you know, and and he definitely, I think, in that way, the entertainment value he transcended MMA at that point, you know, whenever he had that fight with Mayweather. I mean, that was insane, yeah, all pro wrestling. Yeah, all pro runs. Mayweather is a master of running his mouth too, and, and the whole buildup of that fight, uh, you know, like I, me personally, like I don't order MMA fights or anything like that. I ordered that boxing match to watch it, and I actually thought it was very well done. I thought at one point that in that fight, I'm thinking, "Oh my God, is he actually going to beat him?" <laughs> you know, the yeah. first rounds. Yep, yeah. he did it on purpose, though. He
1: got him out like 15 seconds before the under so you could hit on the underbutt, or the same round that he had hit under it. But he did it right in time, though. It was just beautifully done. And from the Pacquiao fight, he was, uh, you know, a little upset that he got booed so heavily. So, you know, he's got a huge ego. You know, you want to, you know, like, after a fight, you just win, and you're up, yeah, on the ropes like this in your hometown, everyone's booing. That sticks with you, man. He wanted to uh, say, okay, man, you know, I'll, I'll give these fans a little something this match. And yeah, I think he rope-a-doped them a little bit, but it made it more exciting. Got people worried, and you know, yeah. got them out of there. And everyone loved it. It, it was It work one on one
0: Entertainment yep. one-on-one. Do you think Connor's going to beat Poirier in the rematch coming up? You know, I, I didn't think he'd lose before. You know, he beat him pretty easy the first time.
1: And then he got starched, so i I don't know. I usually don't like you know if one guy comes out and beats someone dominantly like that. I don't like beating against him. It's one thing if it's like Connor was kicking his ass and then just got caught with a counter punch, you know, like one shot, but he got his ass beat, you know, I'm not gonna bet against the guy who just beat the guy's ass you <laughs> know the last fight like he. Is like, solidly? Like, you know, he wasn't just one shot. He he, he, he beat him. He beat
2: him. He beat him know, I really thought at one point, I was kind of shocked that Connor didn't transition, like that he didn't transition into pro wrestling. I was kind of shocked. I wondered if that ever actually crossed his mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's still got enough. He's still in his prime, though, you know? So, yeah, I mean,
0: he the will. night is young. The he night will. is young yeah yeah. they will offer him enough money to do a
1: wrestlemania one totally day. yes it'll, it'll be like rousey you know come in there like go right to the wrestlemania main event you know this his first match ever is the main event wrestlemania match he walks 100 times and you know he's an athlete he'll do a good job like Stephanie and Rhonda did, but you know that's see that's the difference. Is that really pro wrestling, or is, is going around and working with whoever? Like that's the real pro wrestling. See, you get what I'm saying,
0: right? Someone's bringing I up, could
1: uh, I could train a monkey to walk a match
0: a hundred times. That's true, but Tyson Fury did not have the best pro wrestling match. I don't know if you saw if someone's bringing that up. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, it I was. Didn't. It was him against Braun Strowman, and it was—he's a great boxer, but that was like one of the worst matches I've but ever. But do seen. you put that on him, or do you put it on
2: the fact that maybe Braun Strowman wasn't the best person to be in there with him?
1: it could not How are you gonna bump a guy who's 6'10", 300 pounds? He's never taken a bump out of you know. I, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I could just imagine that looked awkward. him. You know, if he had Braun, did
0: Braun bump him around? Not much. Not much. Uh, it, was, no, it, was it was
1: not. He got protective heavyweight champ. You can't put him in any danger. He can't take any bumps. Yeah, so yeah. he couldn't
0: have too good of a match. He made a lot of money, though. I think he made like $13 million or something because it was in Saudi Arabia. So he was handsomely <laughs> paid. Uh, is there anything you wanna plug uh stuff in while we're while we're on here before we wrap this up? We talked about your uh your marijuana yeah, yeah we're we got something i
1: I don't know how much I could say, but we're gonna get a bronco um you know the Fords coming back with their bronco right those things are awesome we're gonna build it out, soup it up, drop a big ass engine in it, and wrap it in high go around to the SEMA show. The plan is the auction off for a charity, and I haven't signed anything solid yet. But uh, my kid has autism, so um, autism charity. Stay tuned, Hi Tiva, Broncos Autism, here to help, baby. So
0: I heard, uh, I heard too that uh, Jenny Santana, Tito's daughter, who's also her real last name is Haas she's been talking to you that you might, uh, wrestle around with her a bit in the ring. Cause she's considering getting into pro wrestling.
1: Yeah. She, she wants to, I can't believe it. That's her father. And she wants to learn pro wrestling. What? You know, <laughs> I think he would have had her at like Machida's father as a baby train her since birth. So, uh, yeah, she's looking to get into some pro wrestling. I guess she trained, uh, someplace here the other day with hawk kyle hawk jerry trained with kyle
2: so
0: um, and she just won the nationals in uh, bjj so she's an athlete
2: i think honestly you know i mean coming from mma or bjj it's such it's an easier transition to pro wrestling you know i mean i I mean, mean yeah
1: that's what stone Cold even said like you know you know how to do it for real then like all the chain wrestling and that stuff's kind of irrelevant. You just chain together what you normally do, and it looks all right. But yeah, um, definitely, uh, I think it's cool to work in your style. And since the explosion at MMA, we've seen a lot more submission holds, and I think that's part of the reason why, because uh, uh, MMA blew up. And head kicks and submission holds since 2005. Let's see that statistic in pro wrestling the number of submissions and head kicks pre-05 to post-05.
0: I know you're a comedian. They concuss each
1: other all the time.
0: The only reason I'm asking you this is because you're a comedian. Uh, Eugene wants to know (laughs) how do you get a gay man to sleep with (laughs) a (laughs) woman?
2: You got a punchline? I can't believe as quick-witted as you are, you don't have anything for that. (laughs) I thought you were telling me
0: a joke. No, I was not. The the fan was asking you. That's a legitimate question. (laughs) Ham? I don't know. Bribe? (laughs) No? Prostitute him out? Pat Patterson apparently used to do it. Pat Patterson was gay, and, and he would sleep with women here and there. Um, he said it in his book. So he just wanted <laughs> to try it. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Well, where can people follow you on, on social media if people want to look you up? I know you have Twitter.
1: Uh, I mean, no, it's just I'm Stefan Bonner on everything, A N A R. So I'm even on LinkedIn now. Uh, yeah, Stefan Bonner on everything. Yeah, check it out. A-N-A-R, but uh, Facebook, all that, all that commie, spyware, CIA, um,
0: yeah. The punchline for that question, someone says, introduce them to Cyborg. It's not much of a transition.
1: Yeah, that wasn't bad. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't want to fight her. But would you um, hook up with her?
0: now you're on the spot Uh, (laughs) she's not my she's not my type and i'm taking
1: oh that's uh, i'm sure wife doesn't watch it you can tell us the truth
0: (laughs) (laughs) it seems Uh, that they only ever hear the bad stuff on interviews
1: oh i know like i made that joke on matt freeman's podcast no one watches it about bronies the kind of best friend that you come home and catch him climbing out your window and like boom like throws that back around and starts saying like uh i bang bonner's wife which you know of course isn't close to true like and then it gets back and i get in trouble And, you know, like, why would he say that? Why would he say that? I don't know. He's an asshole. And then, of course, she looks it up. And, oh, it's because you on a podcast. And I'm like, I can't believe that got back to her and I got busted for it. So it just goes to show you, on the podcast, you know, fucking Joe Blow's Garage, 90 views. You say something about your wife,
0: probably going to get back to her it's a fact well i'll let you guys wrap it up nice talking to you again i really appreciate it that you backed me up that day that uh i got into it with haku because uh there was no one else there that i would have confronted him with uh cauliflower alley if i didn't have you behind me man you were a hard one to hold back too bud yeah. Hey, we got the most hits of anything at the Cauliflower Alley that year. It got that got over a yes. hundred thousand views. Yes. But, well, hold on. Before we get out of here, what is that story?
2: For the last to watch Q the video. got media. into
1: a fight at Cauliflower. Send them the link to that one. Yeah. And don't miss Phil Baroni versus John Gotti the Third coming to. A uh, 999 pay per view near you soon in John the Gotti the third, right? This is old mob family beef from way back in the day. Um, you know, Phil Baroni's dad worked with Gotti senior, so there's a history there. It's a grudge match. It's a grudge match. Phil's a total piece of shit. I'd normally plug nothing for him, but if I'm plugging something that is promoting Phil getting his ass kicked. That's why I'm doing it, because I'm hoping to see Phil Baroni get his ass kicked by John Gotti III. You heard it from me.